folks, I'm Jamie Hiles. I'm Lydia Judy. And I'm Derek Lamaster. And this is Scream Bloody Movies, the podcast that you come to for horror news and horror reviews and to see our lovely, beautiful faces. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you guys? I am I'm great. Shitty. Oh, that's you guys so- want to know the truth. <laughs> you kind of look shitty. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> My wife has been sick the last uh, three days, so I've been holding down the fort with the little man and, you know, taking care of her when I can. My wife's been around for the last three days. You think you have a problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, I work from home. <laughs> I'm, telling, I'm just kidding. I'm Don't telling tell. Sarah. <laughs> she never listens to this, so she would never know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys talking about on that podcast uh, or movies? Yeah, don't worry about it, babe. Yeah, we could be talking about anything. She would never know. She would never listen to it. She she's in the other room right now, guys, watching uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. So. Oh. So she needs to be alone. No. When she walked, she walked into the uh, office, and she's like, "Hey, I'm not bothering yet, am I?" And I said, "No." Okay, good, because I wanted to watch one of my movies, and I said, "Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey." She goes, how did you know that? I said, well, because I'm a detective, dear. <laughs> and also, she only owns like five movies. So, like, so you had a, what, a you know, 20% chance of getting Yeah, I mean, she has more than that. But the reason I was able to deduce it is because she watched the Twilight movies <laughs> the last several days. And I was, I was like, well, the logical escalation would be Fifty Shades of Grey. That's so funny. Oh that. my god. Huh? So I'm a detective. I said, Sarah, just remember you've never seen me and Batman in the same room together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got a great show for you this week. We've got some uh as you've seen the, the title, we're doing Wes Craven's nineteen ninety-one. It is thirty years old this year. Uh People Under the Stairs. Um, but first we're gonna open every podcast like we do every week with the horror news and gang, we've got a bonanza of horror news today. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Yes. The first biggest news of this week is The Exorcist. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how they're making, we found out that they're making a new Exorcist movie with David Gordon Green involved with Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. Well, scratch that. It's no longer an Exorcist movie. It is now an Exorcist trilogy. Of oh. films starring Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil from the original Exorcist. So, if you don't remember, Ellen Burstyn played the mom, Chris O'Neill. And so she is back in at least the first movie of this new plan trilogy. Word is so far, we don't have any word on uh, Linda, Bear, uh, Linda Blair joining it. She released a uh, <laughs> She released a comment, said to all my fan, fans asking about my involvement in The New Exorcist. As of now, there's not been any discussions about me participating or reprising my role. However, I smell something in the air that that's either misdirection mm-hmm. or that just hasn't come yet. Because how are you going to make an Exorcist sequel without bringing back Reagan at some point, right? Yeah. What do you guys think of this news of an Exorcist trilogy 
which, by the way, was bought by Universal, this whole deal, for $400 million. So it's got uh, money thrown behind it. What do you guys think of this, this idea? And are you more excited now than you were before? Yeah, definitely. It sounds like they're going to do it right, like we were hoping. Yeah. I'm a little shocked, to be honest with you. I'm glad that they're throwing that much money behind it um, and potentially bringing back uh, the remaining cast. So that's exciting. And that's a big, uh, you know, big investment on their behalf, although uh, not that it's going to really uh, be the same as, but uh, didn't the Witcher horror franchise win over a billion dollars? Uh, the Conjuring? Was that the yes, Conjuring series? definitely. Definitely they did. There's and money I'm to be made in that. I'm in that sure genre. Halloween is knocking on the door of that, if it's I'm not sure. there already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's made by David Gordon Green, who directed... Mm -hmm. Uh, John, you know, the remake to, or the, the sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, Halloween 2018, and is directing the upcoming Halloween Kills, which we have a trailer reaction to. You can click down in the description to find. And um, is directing the third in the trilogy, Halloween Ends. So it looks like David Gordon Green is giving The Exorcist the same treatment he gave the Halloween franchise, which gives me a lot of hope. And to think... His entire future hinged on a single scene in Halloween. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. We'll they get made into, the right decision. Yeah, we'll get into that when we review Halloween yeah. 2018 uh, on episode 2095. Yeah. <laughs> Lydia, you're excited about this news, yes? Yeah. Like I said before, I'm I'm down for possession movies. Like, I'm... I'm stoked, especially if they're going to put this much effort into it. Absolutely. So, um, this is big, big, big news, if true. And I said if. We don't have any confirmation. But Corey Feldman uh, was doing an interview, and uh, he pretty much said that um, he believes that they have settled the lawsuit. Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham have settled the lawsuit for the Friday the 13th franchise. So and that why, would, why would he know this? Well, because he's Tommy Jarvis. That's, that's where I was going with this. Yes. And in the same interview, he talks about how he would love to do uh, a new Friday the 13th as Tommy coming back 40 years later, kind of like the Halloween reboot. Yeah. Um, and he said, here's what he had to say about that. He said, uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, some guy came up to me at a party. This is true. Two weeks ago and said he has resolved the rights issues. He's a lawyer and has resolved the rights issues around Friday the 13th and things are working out. And now they'll be able to start making Friday the 13th movies again. So if this is true, this is beyond exciting news for us, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, we were just talking about this. We were. We were. We were talking about how it's been since 2008 or 2009. 2009 is when the Platinum Dunes remake came out. So it's been 
over a decade without a Jason movie, and that's way too long. For sure, and it's hard to believe that it was that long ago, but also, I really enjoyed that movie, so, you know, I'll be glad to get back in the saddle again. Yeah, I quite enjoy that movie, too. We'll do a review on it one of these days. Yeah. I mean, we might do a Friday the 13th movie coming up. You never know. You don't know. Lydia, your take on this news and a possible Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. I really like Corey Feldman. I always have. Um, I don't really follow him very closely nowadays, but um, I'm sure he'll do great in in a new one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him. I mean, it would be cool to see him come back, but I'm I'm kind of partial myself to uh, Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis from uh, Friday the 13th Part 6. That's kind of my favorite iteration of that character besides young Tommy. Uh, Derek, what do you think? I'm super excited about this news. In the Tommy Jarvis. Yep. Um, Feldman or Tom Matthews? Oh. Uh, you know, oh, man, that's a good one. I don't know. That's. Mm. Thanks for putting me on the spot. I'm going to go with Feldman. I think he's had overall the biggest career, and he's. Well, yeah, yeah. He's a more dynamic actor, so he could probably do a little bit more with that. But, uh, you know, when you think of Tommy Jarvis, in all honesty, I don't think of Corey Feldman. You think of Tom Matthews, right? <laughs> exactly. Me so, too. Hmm. And then in the game, it's Tom Matthews as, as Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. Damn it. You want to take it back now, don't you? No, but it's a, it's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on other news here, we have uh, – there's a new documentary out that pays tribute to the Evil Dead franchise called Hail to the Deadites. Mm. Um, it's made by filmmaker Steve Anu. And uh, it's a talking head, you know, that has, of course, Bruce Campbell and, and such. Um, the release date for it is July 27th, 2021. Gearing up for, you know, priming the pump for Evil Dead Rise that comes out next year. What do you guys think of this? Would you be down to watch it? Definitely. Yeah. Love horror docs. Yeah. Love them. I'm a little uh, sad that, uh, and I just saw something today that uh, Bruce Campbell's not going to be making any type of, uh, or at least anything that they're, uh, they're openly saying. Yes. He's supposedly not going to be playing Ash ever again. He announced that after Ash vs. Evil Dead ended. Yeah. Um, Except for in the new Evil Dead video game. And he said, and he also left the door open for playing Ash in future voice roles because he doesn't have to be covered in fake blood and get the shit beat out of him at 60. So I get it. When I'm 60, bring it on. Me too. Actually, you know, we'll be the ones throwing blood on other people. So let's, let's that's, that's, why, that's why we picked the behind the scenes, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. See, now this is a toast that I can get into. Yes, clean. Virtual. I don't like the actual in-person toasts. It's weird. Yeah, you're just not a fan of toast. I saw you just eating, like, raw bread the other day. I was like, you don't want to toast that? You're like, fuck toast! This has a thing with toasts. (laughs) So here is another bit of news. Um, Do you remember a few years ago when they were going to make the Silent Hill game with starring Norman Reedus? It was like a big thing. It was uh, the the um, 
teaser was released, a playable teaser called PT, and then you find out that it's a new Silent Hill game, and then it all got shut down when uh, there was a breakup at Konami, right? Between Hideo Kojima and Konami. Well, Norman Reedus recently teases Silent Hill fans with an Instagram video of Robbie the Rabbit from that uh, Silent Hills, which is uh, starting fan speculation that we might be getting Silent Hills now after all. I mean, especially considering that Reedus and Kojima worked together on Death Stranding. So that's cool. I would. I totally was interested in playing that game. So I'd be down. How about you guys? I've never played a Silent Hill game. Oh, they're great. Well, oh, I know I'm missing early out. Early games are great. Yeah, I know Later I'm missing games, out. Woo. I would be I've down. I've never played a game before, so. <laughs> you liar! You're not even Animal Crossing earlier. <laughs> Super Nintendo. I'm just not a gamer. It's just you... not in me. Did you ever That's play Atari? I know you're not you. as old as we are, but I played Barbie Horse Adventure. Oh, <laughs> what? That is, a, that is a great one. I hear it's in the upper echelon, along with Mario. I well, I was going to say Frogger. Wagon Trail, man. What are you talking about? That's called Frogger. Oregon Trail. <laughs> what did I say? Wagon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> Hop on the Wagon Trail. Oregon Trail. I play, I'm pretty sure I played that in like second grade. That's cool. Yeah. yeah uh, so that that's happening. So that's pretty pretty cool. Um, this little bit of news, I thought you guys would just love, and it's so perfect after the movie we just reviewed uh, last week. So apparently, they are making a demonic toy spinoff called Baby Oopsie. <laughs> Don't do it. The Don't trailer it. just came out. And maybe later we'll do a trailer react to this trailer. Uh, I'll share with you guys the screen so you can see this wonderful artwork we have for Full Moon's Baby Oopsie. Are you guys ready for this? Oh my god, sure. There's Baby Oopsie. <laughs> oh my god. Here yeah. is... <laughs> oh my god. What the heck? Man. Even a plastic chainsaw. Are you guys Daddy. excited to see this? No, not even no. a little bit. No. Baby Oopsie. You know what? If uh, he had a wooden mask on his face, he'd be uh, Ooga Booga. Yeah, kind of. There is. Uh, <gasps> there's our. Nope. There's our boys right there. There's our boys. There's your boy Look right there, him. Lydia. And there's Just Derek him. and I's boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so. Baby Oopsie. So I figured you guys, I saw that news as I was scrolling and thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh, the guys are going to get a, a real kick, a real kick out of this one. <laughs> and then, um, so finally, we have a last bit of news here. Um, well, first of all, horror adjacent news. We saw this this week, there was the release of the new Ghostbusters trailer. Did you guys watch it? No. Yep. What'd you think, Derek? Obviously, uh, by your thumbs up, I think you... Yeah, it looked good. I mean, I I can't wait to see a good Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. It's been since the 80s, <laughs> since that happened. Not, not to take away from the movie that was made a couple of years ago. I personally didn't like it. 
But uh, you know, that's you're not the minority for a different day. You're not but, the uh, minority of that, by the way. <laughs> I loved the ending of the trailer, the teaser. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd picks up. Sorry, yeah. we're closed. Ugh. Lydia, you've got to watch that trailer and get back to us next week about your thoughts on it. Okay. Because I'm sure you'll. It feels like uh, the Steven Spielberg version of Ghostbusters. It does. Yes, it does. It's very Amblin-esque. And, you know, I, being a huge proponent of Amblin, I was in there. And a huge proponent of Ghostbusters, as you can see over my shoulder here. So, yeah, so yeah that, that was good news. And now this next bit of news, you guys, is not really per se news, but it's an intriguing thought. And I thought you would uh, enjoy this. So we can live in a what-if universe, and, and maybe we can will this into existence. Okay, are you ready? John Carpenter was recently doing an interview. And he stated in the interview that uh, they were talking about Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. And Carpenter regrets that there's only two Snake Plissken movies, saying that Snake Plissken uh, deserves about three or four movies saying, he quotes, he's a character that Kurt is passionate, uh, passionately fond of. He convinced me to do the sequel. There's probably a third or maybe even fourth story about Snake. I don't know if we'll ever make it, but I think he deserves it. Now, would you guys be open to an old man Snake Plissken movie starring Kurt Russell directed by John Carpenter? Yep. Yep. Lydia? Yeah, why not? I would say a thousand times, yes. I'd be right there in the first seat. I mean, I am not taking anything away from Harrison Ford. He's a great, great actor, good man. If he can make a uh, Indiana Jones movie, how old is he, Jamie? He's like... He's 79. 79. If he can make an Indiana Jones movie at 79, Kurt Russell can make a Snake Plissken movie. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I would totally be down for that. Yeah. Bring and that, that, wraps, that wraps up the... Uh, wait, forward. I got one more thing to say about that. Go ahead. I mean, they've got 50 states to choose from, so I can't wait to see where it's out of. I'm going to guess Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's getting a little older. He might want to go tropical in this next yeah. one. <laughs> My day's off. I'm on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Escape from Shady Acres. <laughs> That would be hilarious. No, I love Kurt Russell. He's uh, one of my favorites. He's an inspiration for uh, the character in a short that, or in a, in a feature that we're working on, actually. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we'll probably won't do it on this uh, podcast, but for anyone out there who has never seen it, do yourself a favor and uh, go watch Captain Ron. Yes, Captain Ron's a great one. You remember Captain Ron, Lydia? No. Oh, we've got to watch that off podcast sometime. Yeah. Or do like a special... Check out our second podcast, Captain <laughs> Ron! <laughs> Where we review Captain Ron! <laughs> we chronicle his life day to day. From, from beginning of that movie to the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, guys. Enough messing around. I've got one more thing for you. A little surprise. You guys like surprises, right? Are you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Sharing something with you. You guys can see everything, right? Yep. 
Not yet. All right. Can you see now, Derek? Only your mouse moving around yeah, and a black screen. You see? We're going to do a Wes Craven quiz. Oh, oh no. Four-minute quiz. Are you guys ready to no, knock I mean, this one out of the park? We're going to need your help, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I think you guys got this. What is what was one of Wes Craven's best known nicknames? Okay, I do King of Gore, Master no. of Horror, or Prince of Terror. I'm gonna say Prince of Terror. Lydia. It's Master. Oh, I'm sorry. It could Lydia. not be Master. I don't know. I would master? say Master of Horror. That is correct. He was considered a Master of Horror. Where was Wes Craven born? Tacoma, Washington, Los Angeles, or Cleveland? This is a Jamie question, but I've got a guess. Yes. I'm going to guess Cleveland. Lydia. I was going to guess Cleveland also. Let's see. You guys are correct. Cleveland, Ohio, 1939. Wes Craven was best known for creating which film franchise? Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, or A Nightmare on Elm Street? Nightmare on Elm Street. Nailed it, Lydia. <laughs> Probably the only one I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know two so far. Craven abandoned his career in academia to create what sort of films? Adult films, action films, Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> I feel like this might be a uh, trick question. I'm going to go with action. Lydia? Action. I will say adult films because that is the correct answer. Oh, my goodness. I felt like this was a that was a trick question. He used a synonym for his work. He directed uh, adult films early in his career because that's how he learned to edit. For Sean Cunningham, by the way. I mean, if you're going to get into the business, might as well start there. What was the name of the first film that Craven directed? Was it Here Come the Tigers, Together, or The Last House on the Left? The Last House on the Left. Lydia? Last House on the Left? Correct. I've never even heard of Here Come the Tigers. So, <laughs> what's that is? Ooh, this one, I don't know if I even know. What was the budget for The Last House on the Left? Was it 87000 187000 or 387000 I'm going to guess uh, 187 Lydia? 87 Let's go with your guess. You are correct. Dang it. I just That's figured because it was such a low down dirty movie yeah not not much to it yeah yeah i wonder what the uh can we hang there for just right one there second? oh yeah you're gonna Is see it what telling they... the conversion yeah what's the conversion to that go ahead and check it <clears throat> yeah more than three million so that's what it made right mm -hmm. what year did that come out in uh 1971 i think and that was uh i'm kind of guesstimating Eighty-seven thousand dollars in nineteen seventy-one. Maybe it's a little later. Let me double check. So that was seventy-two. Nineteen seventy-two. That was close. Yeah, we'll go with seventy-one. So it looks like the conversion would be about price different. Yeah, so a five hundred and eighty-three thousand. Yeah, so about half a million dollars in, which yeah. is still very, very little money. Why was The Last House on the Left banned or censored in many countries? Explicit sex scenes, incredible profanity, graphic violence. Mm -hmm. Graphic violence. Yeah. Lydia? I would say violence. That is correct. 
they were the top violence, made it famous. How many times did Craven marry? Oh. Three times, four times, or five times? I don't know the answer to this one necessarily. I'm going to go with five. <laughs> There's a hint here. You want to check the hint? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want to. I, I'm going to go with five. Lydia. That business is I'm going to say four. Okay. I will go three. Well, we'll pick yours, Lydia. Oh, I was right. Uh, it was three times. Damn it. Damn. What role did Craven have in the creation of 1996's Scream? Was he the editor, producer, or director? He was the director, right? Yes, he was the director of Scream. What was Wes Craven's budget for A Nightmare on Elm Street? Ooh, another budget question. About 700000 about $1.8 million, or $3.9 million? Hmm. I would guess 1.8. Lydia? Yeah, 1.8. Okay, I think it's around 700,000. Let's see. You guys are correct. Oh. Look at that, 1.8, but gross <laughs> less than two. The movie was made for less than 2 million, but gross 26 million domestically. Craven frequently collaborated with which well-known Hollywood figure? Fred Lincoln, Sean Cunningham, or George Lucas? I'm going to go with Sean. Lydia? I have no idea. I will say it's Sean Cunningham. It is. I don't remember the epic George Lucas Wes Craven film. <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't a computer game called Wes Craven's Principles of Fear ever released to the public? I don't I've never even fucking heard of this. Uh, <laughs> is it because the publisher failed? He hated it. It was too violent. I'm going to say he hated it. Lydia. I'd be shocked yeah. if it was too violent. He yeah. It. Yeah. Oh, the publisher oh, failed. Oh. We missed two now. Thinking? How much did Scream earn at the box office? $376 million, $173 million, or $87 million? The original? Yes. I'm going to say I'm... 173 is what I would guess. Lydia. Yeah. You guys Which is are correct. That's pretty good for us. That's a very good for a, especially in 1996. Yeah. And that's domestically, by the way. How many non horror movies did Wes Craven direct? One, two, or three? Two. I can think of one right off the top of my head. How many? One. Derek? I'll go with one. All right. I believe the answer is two. Let's see what it is. Oh, you guys are right. It is one. Oh, two. I was thinking one would have been uh, more of a thriller, but I guess they considered, like, Red Eye. It's not an, a horror movie, right? Red Eye is a thriller. Oh, I love Red Eye. Yeah. So I was thinking Red Eye and Music of the Heart. But I guess they consider Red Eye a horror movie instead of a thriller. It'd be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but you know, it's, it has more thriller conventions, in my opinion, than horror conventions. For sure, yeah. Who starred in Music of the Heart? Meg Ryan, Barbara Streisand, or Meryl Streep? Never seen this movie. I've never seen it either. It's very good, and the answer is Meryl Streep. She was nominated for an Oscar, actually. You guys didn't know Wes Craven directed an Oscar-nominated movie? I did not. 
Which actor skyrocketed to fame after appearing in a Wes Craven film? You guys know this one. Johnny Depp. Johnny Tom Depp. Selleck. Yeah. Johnny Depp. You guys sure it's not Tom Selleck? <laughs> I mean, it could be, but... Uh... The classic Tom Selleck-Wes Craven crossover. Uh, Magnum uh, P.I. Death. When did Craven publish his first novel? 1970, 1988, or 1999? No clue. No clue. 88. Let's try 99. Yep. There you go. That's what I thought it was. True or false? By the way, the name of that book is Fountain Society. It's a thriller centered around the idea of human cloning. Or as this this, uh, trivia thing would call it, a horror movie. Uh, (laughs) True or false? Wes Craven was raised in a strict Catholic household. It's got to be true. Lydia. Yeah. False. He was actually Baptist, not Catholic. It was a trick question. (laughs) You fools. So rude. (laughs) What role did Craven not have during the creation of The Hills Have Eyes? Executive producer, editor, or director? I'm going to say executive producer. I'm going to say editor. Mm. I don't know. Genuinely don't know, but I can't. Um, go, go between the two. It is executive producer. He edited the movie. That's crazy. Yep. Hey, Derek and I edit our own movies. That's how we have to do it That's right, man. in the four days, right, Derek? Yep. Which film was released in 1991? Night Visions, Body Bags, or say it with me, guys. The, the people, people under, under the, the stairs. stairs. We are so bad at that, but it is people under the stairs, of course. That leads us to today's movie. We'll cut off the quiz right there. Um, By the way, November 1st, I did look it up, was the U.S. release date. Nice. So we are actually under, not quite at 30. We're inching towards it. So, guys, people under the stairs. Was this the first time you guys have watched this movie? Yes or no? That was a negative. Okay. So... This is, tell me your guys' uh, experience with it. Like, when was the first time you saw it? Or have you seen this multiple times? Lydia. I saw it for the first time when I was pretty young, I think. I think I watched it. Like, my dad was watching it, and I just happened to be there. Um, I, it's very foggy. Like, I didn't remember much, except that I liked it. And, um... I watched it again probably like 10 years ago and still I must not have been I don't know this this time around I just watched it last night and I was like I forgot you know how how scary it actually is and how good it is and like I forgot a lot of the things in it so but every time I've watched it I've liked it and then kind of like moved on and then forgot how good it was. Derek. Did you watch this? This is one of those video store rentals from the 90s? 100%. This was one of the video store rentals in the 90s. Uh, I can't remember specifically what uh, year that I saw this, but uh, let's see. I would have been nine when it came out. So there's at least a decent chance, like around 91, I I saw for the first time. I do remember. So you remember when you uh, would go and rent a VHS from a a box store? Yes, I do. <laughs> and uh, they would have, like, before the feature film, they would have trailers because back then you couldn't just look it up online. You either saw it on TV or sometimes they would put them on, uh, like, the new releases so you could see what's coming out, right? I remember the trailer 
for this movie. Nice. Anyway, nice. Just that's, throwing that. Out. <laughs> that's great. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Well, I, yeah, the, the guy going, the people under, under the stairs. stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it too. I remember seeing the the TV spots on TV, yeah. like they would show, you know. And so this was a movie that um, was an HBO movie for me. It was one of those that was on HBO when I was uh, around, you know, the early '90s. So uh, I was way too young to watch this movie, probably about seven. <laughs> so, um, but I remember it was one of those movies and I caught it on HBO the first several times I watched it and loved it. I was like, this is, this is, you know, awesome. Then several years went by and I didn't watch it for a long time. And then a, about a decade ago, I watched it again. It was like, this is a, this is a good one. And then uh, around 2015, uh, Shout Factory started re-releasing uh, all the you know classic '80s horror movies on Blu-ray uh, with the great you know transfer and everything, and I bought the Blu-ray shortly before we lost Wes, unfortunately. And that was the next time I checked it out, and uh, so yeah, it's been in my rotation ever since. I watched it, I watch it uh, you know every year probably. I come around to it again. I'm going to go through Wes Craven's oeuvre, as they say. <laughs> mm. I probably watch it once a decade. I mean, it, yeah. it hasn't been too long since I've seen this movie. Although I did have a, a hard time finding a streaming service that had it. I eventually just rented it from iTunes, but yeah. Lydia, you bought it, right? Yeah, I did. Nice. I thought about buying it. I should have <laughs> probably bought it. but I went Especially to... in a decade when you're going to want to watch it. Yeah, I went to FYE yesterday and they had it for $10, so I grabbed it. Nice. Do you guys ever uh, wonder, uh, for the people who listen to this podcast, they're like, man, who are these people's parents that let them watch these movies when they're right. kids? Yes. Great you parents. What, I would have a fight on my hands if when my kid is seven that I try to let him watch one of these movies. Mom's right. going to have to be away with the girls or something. It's going to be guy's night. Hey, listen. Um, Sarah's just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> And I can say that because she doesn't listen to this podcast. There you go. You're safe. So let's get into this thing. Uh, what I find interesting about this movie is um, the beginning, like the title sequence, the actual the actual like title is super, super short. Just has a few ominous chords and then like this green, like Tommy Knocker-esque title, the people under the stairs pops up. Mm-hmm. And then we're like kind of right into the beats of the story, which I which I really like. I mean, I love the the title sequences where we get the that builds the atmosphere, but this one does it in a different way. We get the titles played over uh, Fool's sister. Our main character's name is Poindexter. Everybody calls him Fool. Yeah. And Fool's sister, who is actually the same actress that plays Yvonne in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Mm-hmm. She is uh, uh, reading him tarot cards. And I showing him the opening. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us about the opening, Derek. No, I had what, no. What did you love about it? <clears throat> I loved that opening scene specifically. I thought it was a really creative way to like introduce us to these characters, um, and also it has some foreshadowing as well. Especially whenever she gets on the fool card, which is where his name comes from from the tarot card, 
but anyway, and she's like going through the whole story about him going over the cliff or turning around and going back. Uh, it, it did a lot of great foreshadowing. I thought it was a great, um, it set the tone very well. Yeah, Wes Craven's really good. His writing's always pretty, pretty good that way. He's very good at setting stuff up to pay it off later. Um, that's what I love a lot about his movies is that stuff that you'll, he'll he doesn't just introduce stuff to introduce it. He introduces it so he can pay it off later in the film. And that's the case with this one. Lydia, what did you feel about the opening? Yeah, I thought the the story of uh, her explaining the tarot cards and how, you know, if he if he steps over the cliff, you don't know it's gonna, you know, you're gonna get hurt. But if you turn back, you're gonna get hurt too. You're gonna get you're gonna get burned up by the sun. You turn around, and the dog well, yeah. is just telling him he's an idiot the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love the, the when she's like, you know, if you turn around and you get burned by the sun, but when you come out, you're a man on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's fool's whole journey of this movie. One hundred percent. Yeah, I. It was so spot on. I, I, of all the movies that we've uh, reviewed so far, this is probably my favorite opening, just because how how well it was like set and it played out. Yeah. Uh, so we're introduced to Fool, who is a child. Uh, how old is Fool? In thirteen. Thirteen, something like that. He just turned thirteen. Yeah, that's right. It's his thirteenth birthday. Yeah, that's yep. correct. So, so Fool is thirteen, and the story is basically the setup is that he's about to be evicted. They're about to be evicted from their shit ass apartment. The ghetto. In the ghetto, <laughs> and um, which is overseen by at the time just these nameless landlords. Mm-hmm. They don't know who the landlords are. They just know that the landlords evicting everybody because they're going to knock them down and put in some condominiums. They can make more money. Really, they're trying to gentrify, gentrify this 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 area. It's gentrification. They're trying yeah. to wipe out these people of color so they can bring in affluent, rich people in condominiums. Uh, it's very very political for 1991, and sadly still relevant in 2021. That's what I was gonna say. That uh, doesn't seem like much has changed. Although. Uh, I think we're not interested, introduced to him right yet, but their grandpa. Yeah, the grandpa is a cool character. We'll, we'll find get that to out him later. Yeah. So um, that's the setup. They're going to lose their house, and Fool's mother is dying or sick. She has she, has she has cancer of some sort. She needs an operation. Yeah. And we're introduced pretty quickly after that. We we go to the outside and we see. Um, where we introduced immediately to Le- uh, to Leroy, who's played by the great Ving Rhames. Man, what do you guys think of Leroy? He's a POS, and that is not point of sale. <laughs> Lydia, your thoughts on Leroy? Yeah, I like how they like introduce him. Like he's just sitting there and just looks over, like startled. He's just sitting there, like smoking or something, and he's just like, "Who are you? Like, why are you here?" <laughs> he literally says, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just such a good like burglar that he was just like hanging out in someone's house without them knowing. I guess I love Ving Rhames in this because he is a piece of shit. He's a he's he's a he's a dick. I wrote in my notes, Leroy is cool and a dick. Because some of the stuff he's saying is true about the landlords and the gentrification, but this this he's just a jerk to poor 
cool, you know, your mama's got cancer, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's a good way to sum him up because he plays this role so well because he, you love to hate him, but also he does have that, that factor, that cool factor. It's because he's played by Ving Rhames and Ving Rhames I is I mean, just 100%, cool. yeah. Yeah, but I wrote in my notes, man, uh, what a POS trying to get a kid to turn a life of crime. Some kid, like this kid has great aspirations. He wants to be a doctor. He's reading books, you know, for being in the, the position that he's in financially. Like, you could see this kid's path, and it could go somewhere. And then you got this guy who's like, nope, I'm going to pull you back down here. <laughs> right. So that's another, uh, that's the, the other point of the scene is that it's setting up the quest that Fool has to go on, which is mm -hmm. Leroy is basically saying, hey, you have no other way to support your family. I need you to steal from me because I found this document, basically, that says that um, it's from a coin collector that mm -hmm. says that uh, he's interested in buying these rare coins that the landlord has. And come to find out it's the landlord of that building. So his plan is to have Fool go in and scout the place. Not necessarily break in. His goal is to let him, like if it was a normal family, a normal people, he would be the Boy Scout, go in, could kind of survey the area, come out and say, yeah, here's what it looks like. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. So, so Fool would technically not be in any danger because he's dressed as a Boy Scout and, you know, whatever. So they so they go on their little uh, they go on their quest this this little robbery and they have with them uh, their buddy. What's the friend's name? I uh, even I forgot, forget. but uh, I forgot to write it down. Hang on. Yeah. I didn't write it down. His name is Spencer. Spencer, that's right. So they're introduced to Spencer when he goes outside and we're in the urban the urban neighborhood. I, I just get flashbacks to early 90s city life. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of uh, like movies like Die Hard with a Vengeance. And uh, White Men Can't Jump. And these sort of oh my early 90s movies. I love the aesthetic of the city. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate that it was that bad, really. But it, it's, it's cool to see that time capsule of that yeah. time period. Um, so they, they pull up to the landlord's house and it's a big, decently big, creepy house. Like the way they, it's really funny, the dialogue. They pull up and they're like, man, it goes on forever. And it's a big house, but it's not like a sprawling mansion, right? Yeah. It was actually an old funeral home. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But no, I thought that too, because there's a, like later in the movie when he like ends up in this like different area of the house, you're like, no, <laughs> how would, how would that actually work? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, fools dressed as a bear, a bear cub scout mm -hmm. selling cookies. And he knocks on the door. Nobody answers, knocks on the back door. Nobody answers. So then he's sitting in the, uh, little pond at, area at the, at the pond. And that's when we're introduced to woman. Or mother. And uh, what are you guys' thoughts on woman? Not, uh, she's a cougar, man. That one really <laughs> you alive. Literally. With, with woman. Yeah. Or mama. 
I love the performance of of uh, her as as woman, Wendy Rowe. Wendy Rowe. Yeah. She did a great job. Yeah, I she think really she's did a great job. So great. Really, just don't like her at all, and <laughs> that is like she sold that performance. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And we'll get into it later in the movie, but she's yeah. just in this first little scene. You can see it. She's like just weird and creepy. I wrote my notes. Woman is so creepy. Um. So they end up breaking it, or so they end up leaving. Uh, she doesn't let him in the house. He tries to say he has to pee. She won't let him in. They go up. He goes back to the van. And Spencer's like, I'll show you how it's done. Yeah. And he, he dresses up. He, he dressed up like a uh, gas maintenance man, essentially, reading yeah. the meters. And she sees, the way she sees that he's not really a meter man is because he has this horrible skull ring. <laughs> he forgot to take it off. He did. And it lets her know that, oh, this... This guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> I'll feed him to the people under the stairs. <laughs> you know, uh, what's really crazy is I am sure that this gimmick has happened before. Like, I totally would fall for that. If a little, like, kid walked up to my house and was like, yeah, I'm selling cookies. I'd be like, hey, little guy, what are you doing? <laughs> you want to come in? You need to use the bathroom. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of scary that, that these Maybe don't just happen. invite them in, Derek. That well, makes no. you seem creepy. <laughs> That is not what I meant. That was going to be his play. I'm just saying that I would be like, yeah. But I, the way I phrased it, that would definitely come off as creepy. That's not what But I you also aren't a weird psychopath that lives with his, bangs his sister and shit. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> I got that going for me. <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> no, that's a really good point, though. Like, talking to someone else's kids, it's like, can be like... like an uncomfortable thing sometimes even when you're like have zero bad intentions like it's just weird to talk to somebody else's kids when they're not around yeah um one time my neighbor at my old house their dog got out and i i was like oh i got their dog like while it was just like running in the street and i took it over to their house and i'm knocking on the door for a while and a little girl answered the door and i was like is this your dog and she was like, yeah, oh, thanks. And she's just talking to me. And I was like, is your mom here? Is your dad here or something? And she was like, yeah, they're just like in the bathroom or something. And the, the mom comes out and looks at me like I was like trying to kidnap her daughter. And I felt so terrible. It was like the first time I even met my neighbor. And I was like, never talk to her again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that could be, that could be precarious. I pictured this happening to you, Derek, and you saying... <laughs> Hi, I'm Derek. I'm not trying to kidnap your kid or anything. <laughs> yeah. I felt You're so, so terrible. Tell me that doesn't sound like something you would he would say. I mean, that's like... only if it were Lois, but that's <laughs> that's where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I have these moments every day that I go to drop Clark off for daycare. Uh because like the little kids, they'll just walk up to you and be like, "Hi, Clark's dad," and like one kid tried to give me a hug, and I'm like, "Hey, you know. <laughs> not because I was trying to be mean, but like, hey, somebody's gonna see this." <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, well, we live in, we live in a world with cell phones. 
uh, cameras. You gotta back off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any picture can be taken out of context. Yeah. It's kind of terrible though, because you really just like want to be nice and friendly towards children, and like, yeah. but don't want to be like seen as someone who is like being too friendly with your. Well, yeah, you don't want people kids. to. You don't want people to mistake you for a, uh, a Florida politician. <laughs> 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 but now that we went on our tangent about the dangers of children talking to strangers stranger danger folks not recommended by screen bloody movies <laughs> spencer goes inside and disappears uh, yep. And <laughs> and you know he's not coming back. You know mm-hmm. he's not coming back. So we <clears throat> cut back to to Fool and company, or we if they see uh, Fool and um, Leroy see woman leave, mm-hmm. and Leroy is just like, "What? There's no way she left Spencer in there. I bet he's stealing the gold for himself." Yeah. And I'm like, I would be thinking he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I would too. Or there's somebody else in the house. By the way, uh, I did want to uh, touch base on because the first time that we see Daddy, which is uh, what Everett Mag- uh, yeah, McGill, Everett McGill as as man or dad as man. Yeah, the first time we see him, you're like, you know, he's sitting there eating his steak like a that's right creepy yeah. guy, and he like sits <laughs> out a buckshot, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, this guy must hunt. Little do we know he's a cannibal, but yes, that's that is a great that's a do. great first scene for them. I'm sorry I skipped that. I forgot about that. That yeah. is a great first scene because I love the way it's lit. It's mm-hmm. like kind of red and it's dark, and you see uh, uh, Alice in the background just kind yeah. of being meek, and she says a she asks a question because she's talking about getting rid of the the people the undesirables, which yeah. is very coded, and she's like, uh, let's get rid of the undesirables. And Alice asked the question, well, what happens when you kick them out? And she said, speak when spoken to. And yeah. that, and so then we're, we see daddy or man eating his uh, steak with the butt shot. And he's like, they're going to be out tonight or midnight tomorrow. Yep. And I don't, just, was that a steak? I remember seeing ribs oh no. in there. It's not a steak. It's a person. He's, well, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a human steak. It was like ribs. It was, like it was rib just steak. human meat in general because he's yeah. cutting it with a fork, and then he yeah. also has the ribs. He's just eating people. It looks pretty raw, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I we mean, know later yeah. he just eats pieces of Leroy when he's cutting old boy up. Wow. So, um, spoiler for the next few minutes when I talk I, about Leroy. I feel like I could have gone without that scene. Really? Personally, yeah. I was like, I I feel like it told you too much. Too it may have. It may have. But it's also, I think it's pretty good foreshadowing because you don't see what he's eating. You just see the buckshot. Yeah. So it's like, you know, oh, okay. It's um, one of those things that you, like later on in the movie, your mind goes back to that Especially scene, when like, he's shooting ah, at them with the shotgun. You're like, ah, got you it. connect that dot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Fool and Leroy break into the house and are confronted by Prince, mm-hmm. their giant Rottweiler. Which, by the way, the, the actor dog that plays Prince, how adorable, right? Amazing. A, there's four what, of them. Yeah, beautiful dogs. And I some, thought the same thing. I was like, these dogs are amazing. They're so, such great 
there's some great stunts with the dog too. Some yeah. cute little moments. But uh, they end up uh, prying open this metal door. Prince attacks them, and they uh, basically block him out with the broom or with a mop. Yeah. yeah. And uh, are like checking the house out. And Fool hears a noise in the basement. He's supposed to stay downstairs to keep guard while Leroy goes upstairs. And he hears a noise in the basement. So he goes down, and that's where we get our first glimpse of the people under the stairs. Yep. And what a really cool little scene, right? Yeah. Did you guys enjoy this? Like, you're introduced to, like, you just see glimpses of them. And you see that there's something in there. And we find poor Spencer laying on the ground with his hair turned white. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he pulls the TV back, and it's the Iraq War, I think. Yeah. Showing what's the going Iraq on. War. Yeah. And then he gets spooked, and then you see the flashlights coming through the walls, and then he runs into Leroy's body. And there's uh, a scene. A Spencer's quote that he, body. That's what I meant. Spencer's body. And there's a, a quote that he says uh, to Leroy later. He's like, man, if you thought he was white before... <laughs> Yeah, you should see him now. Yes. Yeah. The dialogue in this movie is amazing. Oh yes, it's very, God. very funny. There's some very good dialogue. Wait, and so, what is the what is the scene where Leroy is uh, is talking to Fool and he goes, yeah, "Oh, yes, it's right gonna here." Make me the secretary of. Oh, you're gonna make me the secretary of pussy. Is that yeah. <laughs> the line that I wrote that I love? Is when Fool says he's scared because he's 13, and he says. Uh, too old for tit, too young for ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote that. I always put Wes Craven's dialogue. Heart. <laughs> yeah. And that's right before we find uh, Spencer down in the basement. Yeah. Is when he says that. Because he's like, you think we should get out of here? It's my 13th birthday. I want to be a doctor. It's maybe unlucky. He's like, 13 is always unlucky. You know? He says the line. Uh. So yeah, he finds Spencer, gets spooked by the people under the stairs. He's introduced to Roach for the first time. Mm-hmm. We don't know who Roach is yet, but he jumps on his back trying to save him. And yeah. it freaks Fool out, which, granted, it would have freaked me the hell out, too. Yeah, me too. I'd have been like, oh, this is my moral enemy. I gotta yeah, go yeah. he must yeah, no go kidding. down. Also, his fingers, man, let me tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> so he runs without up. jumping on him. Yeah. He's beaten on the door, and uh, Alice answers and runs away. And he's just kind of like, what the hell? Who was that? So he goes upstairs and uh, tells Leroy. And we see Leroy laying on the ground with his head like an event. He's just laying here. 100% think he's dead. I mean, (laughs) they set it up. Wes sets it up perfectly. You think he's dead. He goes over and he's like, Leroy. And he's like, no. That's another one of those that got me because I forgot what happened. Yeah. Well, in his line there, he's like, man, just because a man's laying on the floor doesn't mean he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you looked dead, man. That's yeah. really like, dead right there. My favorite is that that's like a life lesson for him. He's like, don't you know what a man's laying on the floor is not dead? <laughs> I mean, I don't walk into many rooms where men are just laying on the floor, Leroy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's like just learned like the second before that, that like his other friend was on the floor dead. Like, for yeah. Sure. Yeah. And also had his like hand all chewed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, after the, you know, after he tells him that Leroy's dead, um, they go downstairs and they hear, uh, you know, he's like, oh well, he's probably trying to keep all the coins for himself because he fool finds a coin 
in yep. uh, Spencer's hand. Yep. One of the gold coins. So on their way down, man and woman arrive home, mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. And they arrive home and they see the van and immediately are on alert and send, you know, trying to break through. They're sending Prince through the door to try to get to him. Fool tries to run out of the front door and shocks the piss out of himself, falls to the ground. Uh, and then uh, Leroy's trying to break the glass and he can't. It's yep. uh, it's like, I don't know, armored glass. Well, I mean, uh, whenever uh, Fool initially goes and like looks at the house, like there's, uh, it's not necessarily like bars there's on gates. the windows. Yeah, and it's like padlocked from the outside, and like I mean, it's yeah. kind of Fort Knox. Yeah. So this house is meant to not leave. Yeah, it's not meant to keep people out. It's meant to keep people in. Yeah. So. Uh, Prison. Yeah, basically. So they uh, they try to escape, and then then and the plan is for a fool to stand in the middle of the room, and Leroy is going to pop out from behind the couch and whack him. Mm-hmm. Instead. Prince just goes and attacks Leroy again, starts biting him. So Fool grabs them and they lead him to the, seems hilarious to me, lead him to the door and they all electrocute, he electrocutes all three of them to get the dog off. Yeah. I do like the way that this is set up because like Prince walks into the the living room and just stops and stares at Fool. And then uh, Fool like says something to Leroy and Leroy pops up and he's like, where to go? And that's when the dog looks at him. Yeah, like, oh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they run upstairs to hide. He he hides. Leroy hides in the closet. He, by the way, which could have helped both of them, pushes him out yeah. and says, "There's no room in here." <laughs> like pushes this thirteen-year-old boy who he brought into the house out into the hallway like a pos. So Leroy hides around the corner. Man comes up. With a pistol. Mm-hmm. With a laser scope on it. He's looking around. Can't find anything. Um, goes downstairs. And then... Uh, they lock down the house. Mm-hmm. And Leroy decides he's going to try to escape. And gets shot to death by man. Yeah, it's a good plan. It was, was a great plan. Kind of happy whenever he died, though. Well, yeah, he's not the, the nicest guy. So nope. Leroy bites it. He's done. Stupid. I was sad. I was totally sad that he died. But I mean, like you knew he was going to. But it was like, I don't know. I guess it's because the actor is just such a cool actor that you're like, dang. Yeah, Ving Rhames is great, but yeah. Leroy is kind of a jerk. He totally got him in this whole situation. Yeah, I was sad that it, you know his it character. It was sad that he was just like shot like that, though. Oh like, yeah. Absolutely, it was uh, very uncomfortable to watch, especially with today's lens. Right, um, like he wasn't like scared to where his hair is white or something. You know, he wasn't yeah. eaten. Like it was like just blatantly shot, like murder. Yeah, murder. cold blood by a rich white dude. So scary. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I li- I do like the uh, like the play on the on fool's name because uh, you know as he's dying he says you know run fool yes or something like that yeah. and then. Yeah. Uh, Daddy's like, he called me a fool. And he's yeah. around in the... <laughs> Which, Which, by, by the way, yeah. I love that he runs down the stairs and he starts dancing with her. Got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. Who was the fool? He called me a fool. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you what. The uh, love. I 
forgot yeah. the humor that was in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's, enjoyed this movie not only because it was well done overall, but like the humor in it was actually like really good. And it and it, it hit the marks. Yes. When it was supposed to. Yeah. So then we uh basically Alice lures him into her room. Like she pulls him in mm-hmm. to save him. Um and he has like a oh into the bathroom, right? Is that the next bit? Yeah. They're in the bathroom next. Mm-hmm. Well this so, is so this is when they go into like the part of the house that you're like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, so they end up in the uh they end up in the bathroom and uh she's trying to tell him uh about like basically um because there's a scene earlier where we established that Roach is in the walls. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene earlier where we see her, she's lost her fork because she was obviously feeding Roach and um, lost her fork. And so Roach pulls it out for her and gives it to her. So we see that little escape. And so he leads, she leads him through the, uh, through the walls to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where he, you know, uh, meets her and they talk and he's like, we need to get out of here. And she's like, Nah, you know, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not gonna happen. So, um, is it this point where the police show up? Nope. No, is that a little later? Yeah, after he escapes. He calls well, the no, 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 there's a police that show up about the van. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they see when the van. When he's in the yeah. bathroom. When he's in the bathroom yeah. with her. Yeah. So the police show up with the van and they come down and they, they're like, oh, uh, no, that van was here when we got here. Uh, we saw these two gentlemen walking away. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I hope you catch him. They'll burn in hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is also where she realizes that Fool is in the house, too, because she yes. finds his uniform. Because she finds the bear, the bear uniform. She realizes Fool's in there. So Daddy comes uh, oh, looking think... for Yeah, he looking, comes looking for him. Looking for him. And uh, Is this where we get the outfit for the first time? No, I don't think so. I think we get the outfit a little later. Because mm-hmm. when he breaks in, remember when he comes into the, the uh, when he comes into the bathroom, he's uh, he's not wearing his, his hood, remember, his like mask. Mm-hmm. And so he basically, Prince leads him into the bathroom. And she, because she told him, hey, go in, go in here. And yeah. He couldn't go into the thing. She leaves. He's in the bathroom, and Daddy tries to break in. Yeah. And he can't find the exit through the wall again. Yeah. So he hides beside, grabs the top of the toilet. Yeah. And Daddy busts his head through after he blows the holes in it. And Fool smashes him in the head with the... Dude, how many times that guy gets smashed in the head with stuff? Dude, it's my favorite. It's like... A bit of Home Alone. That's why I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, especially the brick scene later. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and uh, the way that he plays it is like... Yeah, oh. his, his reaction, he looks up. And then, bang! And then, of course, um, uh, that's when Roach comes in yeah, and pulls him through. through. The, the medicine cabinet. Yeah, to save him. And pulls him through the wall, yeah. And Daddy won't go in the walls because he don't doesn't know what's in the walls. He's afraid of it. He's afraid yeah. that there might be more of him in there. So he doesn't follow. He blows a hole in it, yeah. but he won't follow. So 
that they they get led back to Alice, and uh, they're introduced essentially, right? Fool is introduced properly to Roach. Finds out yeah. his name. Find out Roach is, was one of their children that misbehaved. His tongue was cut out, and he was put with the people under the stairs. But he escaped, yeah. and has been living in the wall since. Um, actually, during this scene, we get this chase scene. Prince follows them into the the walls, mm-hmm. and Fool, or, uh, Roach track uh, tricks them, tricks him into stepping on the spot. And there's this great cute stunt where they pull it and the dog slides down a slide. Yep. But this is just, also where uh, he makes that a mistake, Roach does. And what he uses as bait for the dog to get him to stop is one oh, of Alice's little dolls. Was one of Alice's dolls. Right. Yeah. So they sli- he slides down. The dog does. They see the they see the toy and uh, really He's gotten to Alice, is what woman says. Yep. He's gotten to Alice. Yep. So uh, they bust in the room while Alice and Roach and Fool are talking. And he shoots at Roach and kidnaps Fool. Yep. He hits and, Roach, too. Yeah, he hits this Roach with, yeah, with, the, with, with the shotgun blast. Roach escapes, but he hits him with the shotgun blast. And then he captures Fool and... Makes fool clean up Leroy's dead body. Yeah, or at least clean up the. Uh, Help him drag makes, it down to the. Dragging down to the basement, they make Alice clean. Which, by the way, most disturbing scene in this movie is coming up. Makes Alice clean the blood, and then throws her into scolding hot bath water. Yep. Yeah. Because she uh, had got blood on her new dress. Yeah. This scene was disturbing for me still this last time I watched it. What are your thoughts yeah. on this scene? Super disturbing. I really love the effect that they used because it looked so scary. Like the seam coming up. I'm pretty sure the seam was coming from like under the tub mm-hmm. and not, you know, from in it. But it looks so scary. Like it looks hot. It, it, I think it was actually maybe even fog to make it yeah. look like the steam. Yeah. And yeah, it does. It looks good. And I was like, man, that's such a great effect. Like, it's such a great effect on the audience because we know what it's like to burn ourselves, of course. And imagine having, having to submerge yourself in hot water while she's scrubbing you. Not just yeah. hot water, but scolding boiling water, essentially. Yeah. And the next scene we see her, she's like all red. Yeah. It. Um, great stuff. Meanwhile, Fool is trapped down in the basement, um, and he has to watch Man cut Leroy up and eat him raw. Yeah, yeah. This is really where you. Uh, this is, I think, the scene where you realize, hey, you know, he was eating somebody yeah. at the beginning of this movie, but yeah, yes. he's eating it raw. Eating it raw and then throwing yum, yum. pieces to the people under the stairs. Yeah. Um, so he ends up eventually feeding, trying, he's going to feed Fool to the people under the stairs. Yeah, throws him in there. So he throws him in with the people under the stairs, locks, locks the gate. Ma, uh, mommy cuts off uh, Spencer's hand and throws it 
and gives it to, to Prince to eat. Yep. And uh, basically, this scene, what did you guys think of the people under the stairs when we get a good look at them in this scene here? They look great. By great, you mean scary. I mean scary by great. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they, I mean, they all look different. Like, they've all gone through different things. And I don't know. They kind of look like zombies, though. Mm. They like, do. Mainly because they have, they're, they're kind of jaundiced. Yeah. They haven't seen sunlight. They have no eyes. vitamin D. Their eyes are super dilated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if... If you can imagine what a person looks like as they're deteriorating and malnutritioned and goes through periodic stages of starvation and then gets fed a human every <laughs> every now and then, like they did a really good job of uh, of making these people look like they had been trapped there for their entire lives. And like you said, Lydia, they do a great job of differentiating them, so they're not just all one, uh, you know, uniform look. They each have mm-hmm. their own look, but especially the main uh, people under the stair. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The main guy, who we end up getting to know a little bit towards the end of the movie, um, they all start converging onto Fool. And Leroy was dropped into this this well. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Leroy mm-hmm. pops up out of the well, his, like, gutted body. His torso. Yeah, move, yeah. And they run away because they're a superstitious lot. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's Roach, and he laughs. <laughs> he goes and... Uh, lets out Fool and takes him in through the, uh, furnace. the furnace. Yeah, and that's when we find out that that Roach unfortunately has been shot. Yeah. So yeah. Roach, with his in his dying state, went and saved Fool. Yeah. Roach is a true damn hero. He must be remembered. Yeah, no, uh, and I love that. You know, also he's thinking of Alice. Like, hey, this is how you get to Alice. Yeah, Save Alice. Her. Alice is his sister, in his opinion. You know, in his mm-hmm. mind, yes. And he's like, she's still up there. And there's yeah. a great shot when he points, where Wes follows his finger up as he points. It's one of my the shots that all that's always been in my head with this movie, and I just love it. It's such a great image. That's a great shot. And unfortunately, Roach passes away in the uh, furnace. Um. Fool leaves through the the grate, like through the top where he's shooting. And uh, also Roach hands him a bag of gold coins mm-hmm. saying there's there's here. So now uh, Fool has a, a baggie of gold coins with him. By the way, I, knows- didn't, I didn't cry necessarily when Roach died, but man, like it, it really tugged. They did a good job of the, the small amount of screen time that he got making you care about this character. At least for me, I think they did a good job of, you know, of setting that up. No, I felt agree. terrible when he died. I agree. He only has about three scenes, I think. Yeah. And in really that time, you, Lydia, you love Roach. He's great. I Like, the... He only has a few scenes where you see him, but he's actually in, like, most of the scenes. Like, you can hear him in the walls, and, like, yeah. you can hear his voice, but you can also just see, like, little dust trails of like the if he's in the ceiling or something mm-hmm. you know he's always there yeah great and a great performance too and mm-hmm. just a, a great character so Leroy in or Leroy fool ends up going and finding Alice and 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I just read Roach, Roach's death. Uh, so she ends up uh, going and uh, ends up going with Alice, and they, they try to make their escape from the, uh, from the people under this or from from man and, and woman and uh i think this derek is where we get the first glimpse of the gimp suit isn't it uh i think so yes because i, I want to say that it was uh, it's a, a little early a little bit earlier in the scene a little early. Man. yeah because i wrote gimp suit yeah when he popped out with his outfit i'm like first off I don't know who the uh, person was who was like, you know, the only thing that he's missing <laughs> is a full-out bondage suit. We should put him in that. But, yeah. Yeah, when he popped that, I'm like, yeah, that is hilarious and unfortunate at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the gimp suit is one of the... Excuse me. The gimp suit's one of the funniest bits of uh, of this movie. It's also incredibly disturbing and creepy. Like, they do... It's oh, like. Yeah. Serves both purposes. So when the first time I see him, he's like running around with his gimp suit. Is you're like shocked. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> see, we're in a gimp suit. I would love to know if that was like always the way it was supposed to be, or if somebody was like, "Hey, Wes, I got an idea," and he's like, "I love it. Let's do it. let's do it." <laughs> Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Uh, this is the second movie in the 90s, or the first of two movies. It's the first of two movies that feature uh, Ving Rhames and a gimp suit. The other being Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's the one who, was, who had the idea. Hey, you know, I was on this movie. Uh, I think we should, uh, we should incorporate. I was, on the, I was on this movie, People Under the Stairs, and they used a gimp suit, Quentin. Maybe you should throw that in your movie. Yeah. <laughs> It was real scary when the guy was on set with it. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. So what's the next beat, Derek? What happens next after this escape? Well, so he uh, he climbs out on the roof. He tries to get Alice to come with him. This is her. This is her opportunity to escape, and she just can't do it. And so he jumps off, and that pond comes back later on. So um, I'm wondering is I'm trying to remember. Do they end up in the ba or in the attic already? Yeah. Is that where they, they go? So they go through uh, when he um, hang on, I'm trying to remember. So he re yeah, so they go through the walls during the scene before they end up in the before he jumps off the roof. Yeah, because this, this is the scene where uh, Prince dies. Prince dies, yes. So they run into a couple traps, and they see these traps and what have you. Mm -hmm. Then they release uh, the they release Prince into the walls again to go get him. And this is where we get our first bit of incest. We find out that they're that's when we find out that you know there's something weird going on here. We don't know it's incest yet, but we know that they're a couple or whatever. Oh yeah, so, whenever he like tries to choke her out. <laughs> yeah, because this is that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little later, but yeah, that happens. But uh, so they're in the walls. And during this bit in the walls, they, um, they, Prince is chasing them. And Daddy is, hears them. So he decides to try to stab Adam because they're, mm. Fool is actively fighting Prince. 
Yeah. And Daddy starts stabbing his bayonet at him through the wall. And it gets to the point where he slams him up against the wall and Daddy stabs. And there's this cool little tense beat where you see the blood run down the wall. You see the bayonet really come out. Scene. Yeah. And then finally you see him drop Prince, which is great, by the way. You could tell it's just the dogs, like, like just, you know, hanging out. And he yeah. kind of just, it's like, you know, when Lily comes over or when you come over and Lily's like there and you just, she jumps up on you. So you just put her down. That's what basically mm. they do with the dog in real life. Yeah. But Prince dies. So uh, daddy. We get the happy daddy, dance again. Daddy does his happy dance and says, I got him, I got him, I got him. And uh, she says, prove it. So he tears down the walls and finds out that actually he killed Prince. And she says, he says, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> One of those kill, comedic beats. You kill Prince. Oh. <laughs> So um, then they escape. So that's when they make their way up to the yeah. second story with the um, open window. Yep. So Fool's like, hey, I think we can jump out of here. I, the water's right below us. Let's go. Daddy follows him upstairs, and Prince or Fool has to make a choice. He can't stay. And he tries to get her to come. She won't come. So he jumps out of the window. And then he mm -hmm. still comes back for her. He's still waiting there. And then Daddy pops out. She keeps him from shooting him. He slides down into the water and escapes. Yep. Daddy goes outside shooting his shotgun out at him. And, of course, Mommy says, Daddy, we never shoot our guns outside. Yep. And she scolds him. No, no, no. Inside. That's a bad boy. He shoots a lot out there, too. Like, somebody had to have heard that. I guess because they're so close to the ghetto, it's just kind of normal. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Like, how normal is that? But, but yeah, he just... So, Fool escapes, and he's like, he got away. So, uh, Fool goes home. First, he calls the cops. Yes, he calls the police. And, well, first, not first. He goes home first. He goes home I first. I he called the no, cops. No, he goes home first. Because he meets with his grandpa and they tell him the backstory mm, about okay. the about the coins and about mommy and daddy, which we find out mommy and daddy are actually brother and sister. Yep. And they come from a long line of like crazy family members, and each generation gets crazier because they're kind of inbreeding, is what I'm gathering. Yep. Um, each generation's crazier than the next, uh, and they've been basically pushing, gentrifying this area for a long time, closing down people's houses and, uh, you know, forcing people to onto the streets while they suck up all the wealth. And they find out, he says something along the lines of, with these coins, I think you can pay your rent until the, the year, year 2000. 2000, yeah. And, and your mama's surgery. Yep. So Grandpa tells him all of this, but Fool still doesn't feel right. He knows well, that. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. He, he knows that Alice is still in there. And this whole movie is uh, a hero's journey for Fool. So yep. Fool becomes, I wrote, Fool is such a hero. He's so heroic. He decides. So you think, oh, he's just going to call the police. But that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg for Fool. 
Yeah. He calls the police uh, as a distraction, essentially. And there's this great scene with the. What do you guys think of the scene with the police? Uh, I thought it was uh, it was great, especially like there's uh, parts in it where Daddy's still hiding his his stuff, like his chains and his <laughs> uh, handcuffs, and then uh, the part where he takes off his hat and he's like patting his bloody yeah. head. That's my absolute favorite on. beat of that scene is when he just t- pats his head and puts the the um, hat back on. Lydia, do you do you like this scene? Yeah, it's really stressful because you're just like, please just figure it out. <laughs> and the whole time they they're putting on, yeah, they put they're putting on this great face the whole time, like they're these normal people. But you can tell they're not normal. They're definitely fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Jake, every and, time every time something would happen, and Jake would be like. They would have looked in the basement like they wouldn't have even, you know, he'd always say something and then they would like explain it like how the, you know, yeah. it was like a false pantry. Yeah. So it looked like there was no basement. Yeah. And then when they saw the the, the daughter's room, Alice's room, they said, you know, oh, our, we lost our Alice a long time ago. In a way, she yeah. still lives here. And yeah. she always will. So freaky. You know, before we get past this, uh, this is a callback to the tarot card and the uh, where Fool can either go off the cliff or turn around and go through the sun and then come out a man on the other side. So I was thinking about that whenever he decides that he's going to go save Alice, that this is the fulfillment of that. Yeah. That card at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And he also goes over the cliff technically, too, by jumping off the roof. And then yep. faces the sun when he comes back to uh, save Alice. Yeah. Yep. So after the police leave, we find out that Fool's been hiding in the kitchen the whole time. And so he's, you know, going to get Alice back. He walks around. There's this great tense scene where he's kind of walking around, checking everything out. He grabs a fire poker. Uh, he's trying to make sure everything's you know, ready. He sneaks upstairs and he hears mommy and daddy having a conversation. And they're praying. They're doing their prayers. Yes, they're doing their prayers. And then that we find out. Hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Burn in hell. Yeah. No, if I kill before I awake. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, sick so bastards. they're doing their little prayer. And I forgot about that. It's great. They're doing their little prayer. And he finds out that it's actually a tape recorder. And they mm-hmm. had set the trap for him. He thought he was springing a trap for them, but it was the opposite. They knew he was there. So daddy comes out wearing his gimp suit again and ready to, to full-on kill. And uh, Fool escapes uh, his clutches by stabbing him in the eyes. Yeah. Then he bashes mommy in the leg with her with the fire poker, then breaks the poker over daddy's head. <laughs> Which was, I think, an accident. It might have been. I I think that was a prop that wasn't supposed to break because if you look at his face, he, like, looks up at the crew, like, at the camera, at the director, maybe, and he, he, like, looks around at people. He was like, oh, like, had a shocked look on his face. And then in the next scene, it's a full poker again. Oh, is it? I, yep. So I don't think I thought he dropped it after that scene. I thought he dropped it after that scene. I didn't realize there was a... Now I'm going to have to go and uh, analyze that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go check it out, too. Got to go look at it. 
But he Jake, snaps it Jake over. He pointed it out to me that it was back together. I pointed out to him. I was like, I was like, he looked like he just looked at everybody in the crew like. Yeah, I don't know. If, I didn't see that it was back together. I thought he threw it down after he it's broke the, it. You can only tell in the shadow because you can, you can see that he's still holding it. But I was like, I couldn't tell if it was still there. But if you look at the shadow, the top of it is there. So, um, yeah, after so he goes on his escape. And they, you know, another merry chase through the house. And uh, he hides again. And um, he's trying to make his way to Alice. So he ends up uh, basically crawling up through the, 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 the chimney stack, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He makes his way through the chimney stack. And um, is, like, hiding in the... Uh, in the chimney snack talking to Alice and she's still, she's hung up in the, uh, in the, in the, in the yeah, So the bolt. yeah. In the bolt. So he removes the bolt. Yeah. He bangs it out. Yep. And then speaking of banging out, daddy comes up and like grabs his crotch <laughs> to make sure she's still there. And yeah. Grabs and, his crotch. Uh, like, that freaked me out. So <laughs> yeah, bad. it's so disturbing. So I hated creepy. that. Yeah, and then she's like, Daddy, come down from there. And he's like, Ugh. he stumbles downstairs, and she's like, uh, you know, hey, he's in there somewhere. Because he thinks he gets away. He thinks he runs, gets away again, because he goes and sees the back door. Thinks he's escaped again. He's like, he's escaped again. So uh, Fool and Alice decide the best way to get out is down through the chimney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another Home Alone scene. Yeah, so they're in the chimney, and Daddy goes down there, and she's talking. He and Mommy are having a discussion, and she's like, he's like, uh, we should just kill her. And he's like, she's like, no, she's our baby. He did it with him. I know it. It's my favorite. She did it with him. I know it. And uh, she's like, not my baby. She's a whore. And then she slaps him. Yeah. And, this is and then he starts strangling, like choking her, making weird grunting noises. Really fucking creepy and awkward. And that's what I they know. Hear if them. he would have just let him uh, play that scene out, they probably would have killed yeah. each other. <laughs> so, no, I think they were about to do it, is what I think was about to happen. Oh, well, that's unfortunate for everybody. <laughs> They're a big fan of uh, the Lannisters. They, uh, so, um, they hear a noise, so Daddy starts to fire up in the chimney, mm -hmm. trying to hit him. And she's like, he's like, I can't see shit, takes off his gimp mask. He's like, yep. oh, I got one of them. And then Fool drops down a brick <laughs> and smacks him right in the face. And it's totally home alone. His legs go up. Oh! <laughs> like, that would have killed him. Yeah, it so great. Yeah. Smashes him in the face, and he says, uh, uh, Fool says, oh, shit, that must have been one of those homing bricks. <laughs> I remember him saying that, yeah. <laughs> so then Mommy goes up to try to fire the gun at him, and they slide down the chimney and land right on top of her. And Fool buries his fingers up her nose. Gross. She, she comes out of it going, <laughs> and then she gets a knock on the door. And it's um, Fool's sister. 
saying that she's, you know, with the uh, committee or whatever. She basically, we don't like the shit you're doing. And she's like, well, I don't care. And she has the gun in her, you know, hidden behind her back. And then a, uh, she gets another knock on the door. It's the police. It's the police. And it's mm-hmm. Grandpa. And she's doing the same thing, talking to him. And that's when she says, uh, um, well, uh, I don't like any... And she starts to say the N-word. And yep. she realizes and pulls the gun out and realizes that there's like 50 people outside her house. All the people they evicted. All the people that they evicted. So uh, she decides that she's going to try to shoot the sister, and Alice drops from the ceiling and smashes her face into the floor, yep. knocks her unconscious. Meanwhile, Fool has made his way down to the basement because he says, literally, we're, he, she's like, let's get out of here. He said, we can't leave yet. I'm not done with them. Plus, we got to free those other kids. Basically, he goes through the same arc that Indiana Jones goes through in uh, Temple, Temple of Doom. Of Doom. Yeah. yeah, where he says, my favorite, yeah, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> the best scene of the movie. We don't we won't cover Temple of Doom on this podcast, unfortunately, but you should watch it because it's awesome. <laughs> so um Fool is on his mission mission to save um to save the, the people under the stairs, and Daddy comes down to attack him. And the people under the stairs grab Fool and trick daddy basically into shooting off the lock yep in re- in opening the gate and they pull they pull fool in with him yep and he's like oh to, we'll let the people him. yeah we'll let the people have him and that's when you realize that they know they know that he's trying to help them now yeah and the main you know our main guy is uh our main people under the stairs our main pup there uh, people, P-U-S, or maybe P-U-S, people <laughs> under the stairs. I guess putts, if you want to get. But the main one, our main guy, <laughs> our main putts. <laughs> our, main pe- our main person under the stairs. I don't know what you would call him. Our main person <laughs> under the stairs? I don't know, but that was so organic how you came to that conclusion. It so was, our main it was putts, fun to see. Putts, that's what they are. Our main putts. If that mean, that sounds mean. That sounds like I'm calling him a putts. <laughs> We know it's an acronym. It's fine. Yeah. Our main uh, person under the stair is um. They're called. It, they're just called stair person in the stair credits. person. That's a good name for him. Our main stair person. That is much easier to say than person under the stair. Or putts for yeah, sure. I, I don't know. Putts is pretty easy to say, but it just sounds derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> Our main stair person. Um, Goes and shows him the gold. Yep. Fool knows how to get rid of the alarm. He cuts the alarm. And wait, wait uh, a second. Wait a second. <laughs> I love how he's like, I studied with the best. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I can bypass this. I studied with the best. I hung out with Leroy for one day and he showed me. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get crack out of that one. Yeah, how to break any alarm. Uh meanwhile. Grandpa and uh, sister sister are upstairs, and good old uh, man sees them. 
and decides to run up the stairs to try to get him, and they slam the door in his face. <laughs> and he it's like, oh. fucking falls down the stairs. Oh. And so they realize that mommy's gone. Mommy's somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sister and grandpa go outside to look for her, and mommy locks them both out. So then it's just Alice and mommy and fool and daddy and the people and the stair people. And Alice, I love this scene between Alice and mommy. What do you guys think of this scene? Very fitting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the best closure for her character. Alice. I love yeah. this whole, this whole scene. I love how it starts with her, like in the, in the corner of the kitchen and then mm. she runs out, or she turns around and pulls out the knife all crazy. Yep. Um, and then the fight that ensues, and I love that she's about to stab her, and our main stair person pops out. And this whole scene is so cool, I feel like. This, like, zombie attack scene where you're rooting yes. for the zombies. Yes. I love that, too. I mean, yeah. there, there's definitely a few movies where you're, like, rooting for a zombie kill scenario but like this one they're not zombies but it's like a zombie kill so it's kind of cool yeah, yeah it's just this whole this horde coming after them it's so cool and i love that you know like they they all basically are like attacking her she runs around into she's trying to escape they're breaking through the walls i love the gut i love the design of the guy with the mask the mask uh stare person that comes mm-hmm. out from the wall and he's standing there has like a burlap sack over his face almost. Just a cool design. You just wonder about all their stories. Like, Yeah. It's a great character, world building, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, that's a good one. And I love that she turns around into Alice stabbing her in the stomach with the, with the knife. Yep. And then she, she says, you hurt your mother. And she says, you're not my mother. Never were. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Love it. So then she pulls out the knife and says, well, then. And the, the best part is all of the people, all the people under the stairs are standing around her just waiting. And she says, well, then, burn in hell. And as soon as she goes to attack, they fucking throttle her. Swarm her, yeah. Yeah. And then she uh, gets thrown down the stairs, and Daddy sees her dead body. And that's when he hears the noise and realizes that fool is in, in the... Uh, the, I guess vault. Vault. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees money dropping, coins being flipped. And he's like, I know what you're doing. You're counting all that money, letting it run through your fingers. Mm. I've done it myself a hundred times, and I'll do it again. Yeah. And then he goes, and it's a great, I love this reveal that yes. he stuck the coins in a candle. And as it burns down, the wax is pushing it out. So I do think that that is a great, uh, like that would be a great way to do it as like a timed release. But I'm like, in my back of my mind, I'm like, man, there's no way he had time to set that up. <laughs> oh yeah, there was. He was he was over dealing with them, <clears throat> and the people under the stairs were attacking. He was doing all that thing. All he had to do was also there's too many coins that keep falling down. He but had anyway. it loaded, man. He had it loaded. Yeah. 
That's beside the point. Yes, it is a very clever way to give a time. And so when Fool goes in and sees this mountain of money, we, we glossed over it, but he walks into the, the vault before this and sees this mountain of money and yeah. sees um, a, a box of dynamite as well. And uh, he's like, so this is where all the money from the neighborhood is going. These guys are taking yeah. it. So uh, when Daddy comes in, Fool pops up behind him with the dynamite armed, mm -hmm. ready to blow. And he's like, Daddy points the gun at him. He says, you know, listen, man, I don't want to kill you, but I don't, much, I don't like you much. <laughs> I don't so like it wouldn't bother anyway. me that much anyway. Yeah, I don't like you very much anyway. He's like, but I will do it. And Daddy decides to try his luck and fool blows him up, essentially. And so I wrote in my notes here. Um, so Daddy flies into the water, hits the thing, and then falls into the, 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 the water with Leroy and mm -hmm. Spencer. But we never see him die. That is true. Is Daddy alive? He could be. He's all did, full of diseases, but did they, did they keep He's Daddy destructible? Did Wes keep Daddy alive in case they made a sequel? Is what I'm wondering. Yeah. Was this only going to be a standalone story, or did he's like, is he like, if we decide to in the future follow another adventure of of Daddy attacking somebody, then we'll keep Daddy alive because we know for sure Mom, Mommy's dead. She's got a slit throat, but Daddy, we don't see him die necessarily. Yeah, you're 100 correct. Um. So I'm wondering if that was a conscious choice or we just were, he was blown up and fell into the water. I'm sure he's dead kind of thing. I mean, the only indication you really get was he went face down, but yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. There is that little window that is open. Also, uh, karma, she be a biatch. Uh, he ended up exactly where he deserved. Yes. in in yes, he ended up, uh, like the people that he was butchering. Exactly. Yep. Um, so earlier in the movie, Fool finds out that the house is rigged with dynamite, essentially, all over. There's dynamite throughout the house. So when he sets off this dynamite, it sets off a chain reaction through the house and blows money everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Fool just kind of sits down and, you know, enjoys his work that he's accomplished. Meanwhile, the people under the stairs are out. The people are trying to catch the money. And our stare people are out in the wild for the first time in a while. And we, the last shot of the movie, we get to see our main people under the stair, our main stare person walking. Say, man. You don't even want to. Our main putts walking, <laughs> walking in front of the shot. And we yeah. see him, uh, you know, out in the wild for the first time. And we cut to black. Yeah. Hey, Lydia. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to sneeze, so I muted myself. <laughs> Dude, the amount of trauma that those people would have went through. Yeah, that was when I was muted. I was saying he was like looking at the sky and at the trees, like. Yeah, yeah. Alice the same way. She's never seen outside. So yeah. when when she when she says uh, when she was won't jump out, it's because she's afraid of what's outside. She yeah. says that I don't know what's out there because all yeah. she's known was this terrible existence with this crazy family and she's led to believe are her parents. And she was What's, baby napped. Was it, uh, is it Munchausen syndrome or what have you? Is that the uh, way you, it's something along the You're not thinking too that, far off. 
You're thinking of... Uh, I would say Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm is what you're thinking of. Munchausen by proxy is where they keep their kids sick. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Stockholm I'm... Syndrome is what, what you're talking about, like Lydia said. Yeah. Which I don't even think that really applies to this because she's not, she doesn't actually like them. No, she just, that's her whole existence. That's all she's yeah. known. So she's afraid of what's on the other side. She's brainwashed kind of. And yeah, yeah. like kept sheltered kept in the dark. Sheltered. And Which she. So relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, I'm such a sheltered person, I feel like. <laughs> so then, you know, the movie ends on that. Up note, and I was glad that we got to see the people in the wild. What do you think that means? Is that like a new start for those people? I was wondering that too. I was wondering that myself because they are going to have a rough time. <laughs> They're going to have a rough time adjusting. Yes. Well, I mean, the good news is I'm sure that there is a ton of money that is in that house that did not get blown up. And whatever didn't get stolen... You know, if you're the authorities, I would think that you would take that money and allocate it to, like, helping to rebuild these people's lives that were completely destroyed. Anyway, yeah. that's maybe a, a different tangent. But, yeah, I, it, it makes you wonder, like, what their journey beyond this point is going to be. And, uh, yeah. But it's a it's a horror movie that ends on a uh, a very up note. You know, oh, for because sure. it's a, it's a, uh, it's fool's journey. That's what it is. It's a hero's journey. I liken this movie to a dark fairy tale, essentially. That's kind of what it is, I feel like. I feel like it's a dark fairy tale that you have the hero coming in to save the princess locked in the tower. He doesn't yeah. know it when he goes in there, but that ends up being his mission to save the princess locked in the tower. Yeah. And he has to really save to... to get through it relate to it yeah yeah so it's a uh yeah so that's people under the stairs what do you guys think derek let's start with you what do you think of people under the stairs especially as i'm watching it and what's your pumpkin rating so this uh is one of my favorites that we've done so far uh it was a great movie uh both for the horror aspect the comedy aspect it was well directed um you know, I don't have a lot of faults about this movie. I think it was it was great. Um, I give it a seven point nine. I really want to go a little just higher. Do it. Just do it, Derek. Then, just do uh, it. Because I was looking at like the uh, I gave the Blob an eight. Yeah, just just do it. Yeah. Put it on the same level. Fine, I'll give it an eight point one. Oh, it was really good. I really enjoyed this movie. I am glad that. Uh, I don't remember who brought it up, but you did a great job, whoever you are. That was me. You did a good job. <laughs> Lydia. 8.1. Thoughts and pumpkin rating. Um, yes, I love this movie. I agree. I think it's it's definitely up there. I think after watching it this time, I'll probably bring it up more often in conversation about horror movies. Just because it deserves it. And I think I'm going to give it a 10. Oh, this is your oh, this is your second tin rating. Yeah, after I don't Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. Yes, I don't. I just don't have any complaints. I think it's well. I think it's well rounded and it's scary. It's suspenseful. It's you know it makes you care a lot about the characters and I think it's perfect. 
I had a great time watching this last night. Um, I, like I said, it had been a little while since I've seen it, not as long as you guys. But I really enjoyed this watch through of it. And uh, I think it's uh, a great one, too. I, I feel like it uh, has influenced me as a, as a horror screenwriter more than I realized. Uh, because with our stuff, I like to throw in a bunch of humor uh, to balance out the scares. I like to offset them and counteract them. I think that's fun. And so, yeah, I will give Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs a 9 out of 10 pumpkins. I'm saving that 10 rating. I'm saving that 10 rating. Just hand them out. It's, it feels great to just hand out 10s. <laughs> so, yeah, I would give it 9 out of 10. Uh, I don't remember what I gave the, the fog, but I think it's on par with the fog. I would say, and The Blob. I think it's on, on par with both of those films. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's from one of my favorite directors of all time. And uh, we'll definitely touch upon Mr. Craven later. Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll return. I don't think our listeners have to worry about that. We'll be seeing more of Mr. Craven and uh, get into some of his full-blown classics and maybe a few of his misfires. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, that was People Under the Stairs. Now guys, you know what time it is. How would you agonize this movie? I think I would put him as Leroy. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That way he can talk about pussy and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> good idea. It's a good idea. Derek. She took mine, uh, but if I were going to, uh, man, I don't think he would, he could play daddy. Not that he couldn't. I don't think that would be a great fit for him. Mm. Oh, I think he could play daddy, but Everett yeah. McGill is just so phenomenal as daddy. You don't want to replace him. Yeah. Uh, man. I, I mean, you know. can pick the same one. That That's who I initially was going to go with. So you but, think Leroy, uh, Leroy as well? I, I think that would be the best fit. It would either be him or Spencer. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because there's was... not a lot of characters. Not a lot yeah. of characters. Uh if I guess it's a it's kind of a trick question because as Leroy or Spencer, he'd have more screen time, and we always want more screen time for Tom Atkins. However, I think there's an opportunity for a great cameo and to enhance a part, which is I think he should play the police chief that comes to investigate after the police are called. Could be, yeah. Because just... then he could be much more like, that, that That cop was kind of just like, oh, I see here. He could be more like pointed with his questions. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, thought you said you didn't have any kids. What's with this kid's room? You know, and then maybe be drinking a beer while he does it. I don't know. Yeah, you know. I think probably Leroy would be the best because there's not really anybody that gets laid in this movie. Or that has like is a chick magnet, so I think that Leroy's probably the best fit, I'd say. But Leroy is also supposed to be, you know, part of the uh, the story with the the racial and class warfare. Right. So the cop would probably be the best role. Yeah. If you weren't going to replace Everett McGill as daddy. Or you could put him as Roach. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go with Roach because, uh, you know, or he could be Tom the main person guy. under the stair. 
Oh man! Oh, so wait, wait a second, wait a second. So these these people are called stair person, stair, stair people, person, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the lead one has a name uh, unto his own. Does he? Yeah, he's the stair master. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. He's the stair master. The stair master. <laughs> oh God! Why didn't I see it coming? That's it was... gonna have to be. The Adkin role, you know? Yeah, he has to be the Stairmaster. We'll beef up the role, and he won't have the long hair. He'll still have, he'll just look like, he's the only person under the stairs that just looks like Tom Atkins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he's going to be perfectly fine, much older than all the rest of them. But he'll be the one that is the, is the, is the Stairmaster. Yeah. If he were, uh, yeah, that's that's good. So, guys, any final thoughts on Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs? Anything we missed? Um, I just wanted to point out that I can't think of a single other movie with um, a child star who is black, who is a hero um, in a horror movie. Uh, or, or any other movie, really. Especially in 1991. Yeah. Uh, right. Wes, when, when, Wes, when Wes wrote this movie... Um, I do remember reading that, like, it was a story that he wanted to tell because he was pretty passionate about the 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 class warfare and the uh, racial discrimination in that you know uh, of our society at that time. So he wanted to write a role for that. Uh, he nailed or it. Movie about that, and so I think it's also great. He he does another one actually, which we might get to eventually, which is. Um, he does another movie starring a primarily African-American cast when he does uh, Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy, which is a fun one we'll talk about one day, yeah, probably. I did not realize he did that one, actually. Yeah, that's a Wes Craven film. Yeah. That's, that one's more pure comedy than Right, and, and you have Eddie Murphy as the, as the star. Yeah, not a compared child. Compared to yeah. a child that, that not many people have ever heard of, you know? Yeah, but, absolutely. Whatever. This kid was on... Uh... Mighty Ducks. I was gonna say he's, he he's, in a, he's a Mighty Duck. He's a Ducker. And Sandlot. Oh, he was in the Sandlot, yeah. Yep. Which we all love, Sandlot, right? We yes. love Sandlot. Sandlot. Screenplay movies approved. Yes. Yep. We, got... we love. We love Sandlot forever. That's really good. Uh, these movies that we keep bringing up that aren't horror movies, maybe we can do like bonus episodes or like Patreon episodes on things that aren't horror. Maybe, yeah. Uh, or we can do it on another podcast, the Sandlot Podcast. Yes. Where we review the Sandlot, <laughs> which is also an accompaniment to um, the other podcast that we're doing, Derek. Remember? Captain Ron. Captain Ron. <laughs> All right, folks. That is Pet Cemetery. Thanks for hanging out with that us. That is not Pet Cemetery. That is people You're under right. the stairs. <laughs> Idiot! It's people under the stairs. God, nice catch, Derek. I would just look like a total idiot. Almost like if I thought Tom Atkins' name was Todd. <laughs> so first off, mine was way closer than yours. Oh my god! And I'm telling you, that could be a nickname. You don't know. I know your name's Tom, but I'll hear you like to go by Tom. 
Hey, I know your name's Tom, but do you mind if I call you Todd? It's <laughs> calling T and you're good. Like Just not Mr. T, that one's taken. <laughs> Mr. T, do you mind if I call you Mr. C? I like you better. <laughs> oh, I love you, Derek. It's good stuff. All right, folks, that was Wes Craven's 1991 People Under the Stairs. It's a classic. If you haven't seen it, give it a watch. Check it out. Um, four screen bloody movies and uh, mess that up completely, but just deal. hang with me. I'll reverse it. So, folks, that was Wes Craven's 1991 classic screen. <laughs> that was Wes Craven's 1991 classic. Pet Cemetery. People under the <laughs> Damn you, Derek. It's not Pet Cemetery. <laughs> All right, folks. That's Wes Craven's 1991 classic, People Under the Stairs. If you have not seen it, definitely check it out. For Lydia Judy and Derek Lamaster, I am Jamie Hiles. And remember, if you're going to scream, scream, scream bloody, bloody movies. movies. Oh, my God. Scream bloody movie, folks. Good night.